0: So last week, Cheryl and I were uh, ministering at a conference, and um, it was. Two things struck me about the conference. Firstly, it felt like home because it was part of our uh, Revival Alliance group of churches. It, it's got a similar feel to being here, and the nice people, and it's got this uh, lovely atmosphere. So that was the first thing uh, that struck me. Um, the second thing was that we. I, I went up and I'm thinking, well, I, I just had this—I just had no idea really what I was going to talk about. So I went armed with lots of different things I could talk about. And when when I got there, Rick said, "Oh, well, I think we'll just do a week about healing, and let's have some miracles." And I thought, no pressure there then. <laughs> and um, we had a, a fantastic weekend, really uh, amazing to see how Jesus moved. Because um, I realised we were just really rusty, really rusty uh, to kind of pressing in and, and expectancy. And But on the Saturday evening, we did a, a kind of an open healing meeting. And um, I had some, I, I I kind of stayed behind and then went along kind of went into the service about halfway through worshiping. I was just listening to the Holy Spirit, and I thought he'd showed me some things. And I, I'm thinking, well, it's not a big group of people. There's probably about 50 people there. Um, they've got to be right, because, uh, the, you know, there's a very low probability of these things being right when there's only 50. There's a lot more probability when you get a word of knowledge, and there's like 3,000 people. Like, somebody's got that problem. Um But when there's only 50, they've got to be right. And And so I started to give these words of knowledge and uh, people were going, that's me, that's me, that's me. And, and some of them were really strange. Um, and, and people go, that's me. So we got them to stand up and Cheryl was uh, praying for this lady and she, uh, she couldn't move, her, I think for a long time, she couldn't move her shoulder, arthritic shoulder and couldn't lift her arm or anything. It was just like really painful. And uh, I guess it, in the space of about two minutes, she got pain-free, full mobility in her arm. And then the the lady next to her, uh, who had pain, right, like arthritic thumbs and things, they all returned to full mobility and all the pain went. And it was kind of like, and then some of the really weird things I had, <laughs> I had this picture of uh, somebody who had like on their, Feet and it was like little pins were sticking into it. And I'm going, I'm, I, don't, I don't want to preempt what that might be because I'm thinking circulatory problems, something like that. And this, this lady, she ran to the front and she was really excited and she strips her socks off and she had this really bad skin disease all over her feet. And uh, so we paid for her and, and, and the pain went. And then kind of as we were doing this in ministry, we lined up everybody who had a back problem and there was uh, nine people lined up, and every single one was healed. And it, it's kind of like, man, this Jesus is really cool. <laughs> like, like it, It's just a privilege to watch him do this. And uh, one guy got up. Well, there was various testimonies on the Sunday morning, and this guy got up. And it was just so moving. Um I guess he was in his sixties, would you say? And he he was just in absolute tears, um, because he he'd had um, sciatica, and and he hadn't been able to move his legs more than kind of that, and with, without and, and he'd had pain for years and years and years, painter and decorator. So he he's, he was having to get up ladders with sciatica, and he was just like, we paid for him and. It kind of—it wasn't immediate. It took about five minutes, and then he—he he could get his knee further and further up, and then he was—he was pain free, and and he and he just came to give his testimony the following morning, and he just broke down in tears because he'd had, he'd had years of this pain, and I'm stood there and I think Jesus is just so cool, isn't he? It's just amazing yeah he 's just like his love, and we want to be people who um, not only move in faith but have unshakable faith so whilst we 've moved in faith and at varying degrees over the years, I think god 's calling is to move into a, a higher level uh something called unshakable faith. Because what, we've, what I've noticed is that our faith tends to get knocked by circumstances. And our faith gets, tends to get knocked by somebody who doesn't receive their healing straight away, if at all, compared to the healings that we do see. So we, we get these knocks to our faith. And I was thinking about what would it look like to have unshakable faith? And uh, the, the person that came to my mind is somebody we 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 know at, at different levels. In fact, it's a privilege to kind of serve. He's a lady called Heidi Baker, who many of you will probably know about. And whatever seems to happen in Mozambique, you know, ISIS beheading Christians right where they are, having to get 250 students out almost overnight out of Mozambique uh, witch doctors, guys who set snakes on them all sorts of stuff and yet you know they, they, they get thousands and thousands of refugees and yet they believe God when they have nothing in their storehouses they believe God to provide for thousands and thousands of refugees and it comes Twenty-five thousand was it when they had the floods. Was it twenty-five thousand Bob? Yeah. And you you encounter people rarely, but they leave this impact on your life, this that no matter what the circumstances, they've got this underlying confidence that God's gonna see them through to the other side. Because we can't control our lives. We can't control the things that happen to us. But we can decide how we're going to respond to the things that happen to us. And uh, we, we, have to, we, we, we go through things in life because we can't control stuff. And, and Jesus never promised we wouldn't go through things. But what he promised is that he'd see us the other side. Do you remember when he, he sent the... Uh, disciples out on the lake and told them to go through the other side and kind of, he, he goes off and prays and they're like halfway across Lake Galilee in the middle of a storm not having wanted to go but he's, he's told them they're going to the other side he, he doesn't send the storm to your life but he takes you through the storm because your destiny is on the other side of it and so when you meet people like Heidi or you, you hear about people who, who've gone before who were like that then I think, and, and I hear about all these things that they've had to deal with, and I I think, I wonder how I, resp- I would respond if that happened to me. What, what would be my response? How, what, what would be my faith response? Would I, would I have faith in that situation? And, you know, I've encountered people over the years where, if I was facing what they were facing, the question comes up like, why aren't they crumbling? Because you kind of get used to people crumbling and then you encounter somebody who's not crumbling in in the most tragic of circumstances. And these sort of people, uh, you get inspired by their response. Because they've become convinced that there's more to life than blind chance and natural circumstances. That there's a supernatural involvement in life as well. And that that supernatural uh, involvement asks you to connect to it, to see things change and to take you through to the other side. They know God is real so it informs their response to what they're facing. And, and these are the kind of people I'm thinking, well, I, I just like go, this is just like, they're just amazing. How can we ever be like that? But the truth is, Jesus expected everybody to be like that. Um, so we need to raise our expectations of what sort of person we are going to be and raise our expectations of how we're going to respond to the things that come in life and, and faces. And so the question is then, where does this unshakable faith come from, and how do you get it? Yeah, because that's what we want, isn't it? Yeah? We don't want to get blown around all, all over the time. We're going to go, I'm going through. I'm going through. Whatever comes, I'm coming out the other side. I'm going to trust Jesus. Now, I'm going to take you on a journey, and I'm not going to finish it this morning. This is kind of a, like a scene set, because as I said a couple of weeks ago, Cheryl just had this real sense that we needed to talk again about faith. So that's what I'm doing. And when I was doing that, I was drawn to this these, this word, amazed. Because I, I was reading uh, one of the stories, and there are... Two people, the Bible says, amazed Jesus. Well, there's two instances where Jesus says, I'm amazed at that. Like, just imagine you've got the guy who created the entire universe, who knows everything, and he's amazed. So we need to know what amazes him, don't we? Because that would be kind of cool if we could amaze Jesus in the right way. So what? Let me, let me tell you the two instances where Jesus is amazed. The first instance, uh, you, you probably kind of a familiar story, and it's from uh, Matthew chapter eight. And it's the story of the centurion. Remember the Roman centurion? So hated by the Jews. Shouldn't even be coming, like a Jew shouldn't have anything to do with him. And he comes to Jesus, And and he comes along and he tells Jesus about this servant who's sick. And so Jesus offers, if you remember, to follow the centurion to his house and and pray for this servant who's sick. And the centurion says, you don't need to do that, Jesus, because I know how this works. I I, I know how it works. And uh, in Matthew chapter 8, verse 9, which I, I... and we're not going to put up there he says for i myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me so he understands heavenly authority and he says this by the people in my uh, the, you know gr- soldiers that i command they do this not because of who i am but because of who i represent so i represent the roman empire and so these soldiers, they follow me because of who I represent. And so he says, I've been watching you, and you couldn't do and say what you do unless you were under a bigger authority, unless there's, there's something behind you that carries the authority that this can, be, uh, th- this can happen And so he says, you don't need to come, Jesus. You just need to say the word and my servant's going to get healed. And Jesus says this in verse 10. Jesus heard this and he was amazed. What was it that amazed him? He says, he tells you what it is that amazes him. He says, this is what I'm amazed by your great faith you see what was it that he did he he put two and two together he saw what others saw so everybody had seen jesus going around healing everybody like he had crowd after crowd after crowd that, that just gathered around him and listened to his teaching, saw all these amazing miracles. Yet this centurion saw something, saw the same things as they'd seen, maybe even less than they'd seen, because he'd be doing his job as well. And when he recognised what was happening, when he recognised the uniqueness of Jesus, he went all in. And that, that's really key to unshakable faith unshakable faith doesn't hedge its bets it doesn't stand one foot in the kingdom and one foot in the natural it stands firmly in one place and goes all in and to see more we have to be willing to put ourselves in positions where Jesus has to come through or we'll be embarrassed and that takes a lot. We've got to be all in, not partially in. So what else amazes Jesus? Well, let me tell you the other instance that, that amazes Jesus. Basically, Jesus responds to the centurion and he, point, he kind of points him out to everybody else. He said, hey, guys, this is what I'm looking for. This is what, what, what it's about. This is what I'm looking for. And then there's there's another instance where Jesus goes along and it says he was amazed. Now, as a precursor to that, let me just tell you, because this is one of those little, you know, unique little facts that you can take home and say, Pastor told me this this morning, okay? Jesus never marveled at anyone's knowledge. Yet we concentrate on knowledge. But Jesus never marveled. He never amazed you. He didn't kind of turn up anywhere and go, hey, wow, you are really smart. I never thought of that. Wow, you are so clever. Wow, you've really memorized the whole Old Testament. Wow. You don't see Jesus doing that. He's never amazed at people's knowledge or the information that they have in their head. He never stood there and said, wow, how could you know that? Nobody else has ever got to that. How's that? What amazes him and got his attention was people with extraordinary faith. Faith not simply in their heads, but lived out in the reality of life. That's where we move from ordinary faith to extraordinary faith. Ordinary faith can be in your head and it can work sometimes. Extraordinary faith lives out in the reality of life. And that's, that's, where, that's where the Holy Spirit wants to take us. Extraordinary faith lived out in the reality of life. Now, the other instance where people amaze Jesus is in his hometown, and Jesus goes into his hometown and he's, he's healing people. And they start saying, Wow, this is, how, this is how does he know this? How does he do this? By what authority does he do this? And then they all wake up and go, Hey, we know this Jesus. Isn't he, isn't he Mary's son? Wasn't he the carpenter guy? Isn't he got like brothers and sisters? And it says that Jesus was amazed by their lack of faith. And he couldn't do many miracles except to heal a few people. That was Jesus's, apart from the day on the cross, that was Jesus's bad day. He couldn't do many miracles except heal a few people. Man, if we could heal a few people and do a few miracles, we'd say it was a revival and it was a good day. That was Jesus's bottom, bottom day. Why couldn't he heal? Because there's no faith. Faith needs to be somewhere. It either needs to be in the person receiving or the person praying. And and Jesus was amazed at their lack of faith. That's uh, Mark 6, verse 6. So Jesus' agenda for us is that we would grow to be people of great faith, people of unshakable faith, okay? So they're the only two instances where it says Jesus was amazed. I want to be a person that Jesus says that amazes me. I was uh, reading something, uh, actually I was reading it this morning, and uh, this guy in this thing that I was reading, he was having a really bad day. All his plans had gone wrong. And some, and he and was kind of uh, going to take precipitous action uh, against these other people, and uh, what his friend turned to him and he said, instead of seeing it as a disaster, why not see it as an opportunity? And Jesus said, when I come back, will I find faith on earth? Either we're that generation that he's talking about, or we're pretty close to that generation he's talking about. So we have an opportunity to be shiner's lights in the midst of darkness. We have the opportunity to be the radical remnant. We have the opportunity to walk differently to how others are walking. It's an opportunity for us to take hold of and see what Jesus has promised, see what Jesus said was possible, to, to, to see the things that the disciples saw. And that's cool, isn't it? But it's down to us whether we take the opportunity or not. It's always down to us whether we take what's on offer from Jesus. Now, let, let's just take a little bit further. So, I'm really struggling. I, don't, I just don't like microphones. I want my little getty gear back on. Here's something. Faith is different from hope. Faith is different from wishing faith is not wanting faith is not desire and often when you really dig into things people have wished and hoped and desired but they didn't trust in Jesus they weren't all in and so often we pray and what we're praying is our hope we're praying our wish we're praying our want But the real question is, are we trusting in Jesus? Have we got that unshakable faith that he talks about? And and there's this big danger if we mistake hope or wishing or desire or want for faith because they're not the same thing. Um, And in doing that, here's something that I've learned and we need to um, really push through if we're going to see more of what God wants us to see. Because the thing you need to push through is whenever you talk about faith and you're in that place where your prayer is not yet answered, people will go, are you saying I haven't got enough faith? I've got enough faith. Most of the time, it's really hard to actually understand where a person is. But looking back, I think many times people have wished and hoped and desired and wanted and said, I've got faith. And so you go, they they, kind of gone, I'm believing, I'm believing, I'm believing, I'm believing, I'm believing, I'm believing, I'm believing. And the reality is what's inside them isn't believing at all. They just think, if I do these things, I'll get my hope. Hope is not the same as faith. Let me uh, kind of flesh it out for you. So tomorrow, Chavel and I are going on holiday. Yeah, thank you, Roger. Yeah, we know that. They know that. Okay, so when we are going up to that steps to the plane, you know, we're climbing up into the plane. We don't like flying, by the way. Um, We are not anchoring our hope in our optimism and desire to have a good holiday. We want to have a good holiday, but that's not where our faith is resting. I'm anchoring my faith in the integrity and mechanical workings of the jet plane. Not in my optimism and desire that I want the desired outcome of a holiday, a nice holiday. The jet, its mechanical workings and the pilot are my object of faith. My hope is I'm going to have a good holiday. My wish is we don't crash on the way. My desire is we get good weather. But my faith is in the pilot and the mechanical workings of the jet. So faith is different from hoping and wishing and all the rest of it because faith has an object. Faith always has a object, with a H in which it rests on. (laughs) Yes. See, I've been up north. I was up north last week and they they started appearing again, the Hs. The objective faith is not a particular outcome. You're going to think, you need to think about that. The object of faith is not a particular outcome. Jesus has established himself as the object of our faith. It's not the hope or desire or believing for an outcome that will produce the outcome. It's placing faith and trust in Jesus as the object of our faith that produces the outcome. And that might seem like really pedantic, but it's just so important when you hear how people pray and you, you, you understand how they're trying to believe for things. Jesus invited people to a place of confidence in him. So you remember that verse that I looked at a couple of weeks ago. This is what Jesus said. Let not your hearts be troubled, distressed or agitated. That's the bit I talked on two weeks ago. I can now do the rest of the verse. We're really getting through scripture. at Quite a rate of knots now. You believe in and adhere to and trust in and rely on God. So believe in and adhere to and trust in and rely also in me. That phrase, you know, in in the original language, that's an unusual phrase. It it hadn't actually, there's no record of that phrase being used before. The the words trust in. And it might seem bizarre to us because we're kind of used to reading it now. But there is no example of the word trust and in being combined in scripture before Jesus said it, oh, any literature. It was kind of, you, you trusted, but you didn't have, it was more like hope. When people said trust, it was more like hope. And so you've got this trust in. Literally, the, 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 when you put the two together, what, this is what it means. Entrust and place your confidence in me as the object of that confidence that's what Jesus is saying entrust and place your confidence in me as the object of your confidence and one of the reasons Jesus came was to show us what God was like because many of us have got stuck for years trying to believe the promises of God the problem of trying to believe the promises of God is that our picture of God affects our belief about whether that promise will actually happen. So if we, if we believe in a, in a God who's harsh and just has a downer on us whenever we do the slightest thing wrong, we, we are really going to struggle to trust him to give us the answer to what he's promised. And so at the time Jesus came, The people who lived then had that problem. They saw Jesus as only... They saw God as this angry God who would only respond to what they wanted or what they were praying for if they kept all the rules. And if they didn't keep all the rules and went out of line, they were expecting the lightning bolt. I call this my mum's theology. Because a lot of people get stuck with that picture of God. And so... If you have a picture of God like that, it doesn't really work when you try and believe him for what he's promised. Because you're always looking and go, I got that real wrong, I missed that one, got that one wrong, got that one wrong. And it it doesn't work. So we have just spent, I guess, 30 years now trying to understand the message in the church, which is the Father Heart of God. It's a fantastic message. The problem with that is that the love of God and the Father heart of God was never in question because Jesus came and died on a cross. And the trouble with trying to get this Father heart of God and how God's our Father and he loves us and all that. The trouble with that is a lot of us had really bad fathers and we've got really bad images of what fathers are like. And so we've struggled with it. We've struggled with it. And uh, somebody who was kind of struggling with this came to Jesus and said, "Jesus, show us." I think it was. I think it was Philip came to Jesus and said, "Show us what the Father is like." And Jesus said, "No. Because you can't get that. You can't get it. He's he's kind of an unknowable spirit. You know, you, you're not going to get. But if you really want to know what the Father's like, look at me." Because I'm the exact image of the Father. And you'd think that was kind of good news, wouldn't you? The response Jesus got to that, that statement is he offended a whole load of people. People got upset with him because he was going around saying, look what I do and this is what God's like. Listen to what I got say, this is what God's saying. And people got upset with him. My point is this. If you've been on a journey with Jesus, if you've been on a journey with God and you've got upset with him and you've got disappointed and you've got disillusioned, the antidote to that is to read the Gospels and look at Jesus and say, what does what Jesus is doing show me about God, the Father? And that's how we discover what God's like. That's how we discover who the one standing behind the promises is like. Because ultimately we don't believe promises, we believe in the one who made the promise. And and the way we discover what the Father is like, who made the promise, is to look at Jesus and say, well, how, what, what's he doing? What's he showing me about Jesus? There's a, a story in John chapter 9, isn't there, where uh, there's a blind young guy who comes to Jesus. Do you remember the story? And his question is, will you heal me? <laughs> and it tells us that Jesus was kind of upset with the question. Like, how have you got in the position where you're asking the question, will I heal you? Because he, and and the reason he got in this position is he had this picture of God and he was struggling with his picture of God and and his ideas about God. And and he had this God who was harsh, who punished people by making them sick for what they'd done wrong. And uh, do you remember that, that people came along and, and they asked Jesus, so why is he blind? Is it because he sinned or were his parents naughty, to you or his grandparents naughty? to you? What's the problem, Jesus? And Jesus says, that just shows, well, he didn't say it, but his response is, that just shows me why you're having a problem believing. Because none of that's right. That's not who God is. That's not who God is. Of course I will heal you you want to know what the father's like look at the sun so jesus shows up and this guy's thinking you've grown he, he's grown up thinking that, that and the people have grown up thinking that god punishes people by putting sickness on them do you know that there's people who write books that say that now which is kind of scary because Jesus says, that's not what God's like. If you want to know what God's like, look at me and I heal all. That, I, he, he, doesn't, you know, he It's not right that he's put sickness on, the, on, on this blind guy. To show him, punish him or show him something. It's not right. And yet we lap up books that say that. If you've got books that say that, do what I did, which is burn them. I didn't think the bin was good enough, so I burnt them. So, why? Because this sort of stuff's like an earworm, and it gets in your head even when you don't want it to, and it undermines your faith. So, Jesus showed up to reveal what the Father in heaven is like because they had all sorts of ideas about God and they thought they knew. But he came to show them the reality. And that is why he said, I want to be the object of your faith. So Jesus comes along and he says, I've come to point you to the Father. So that you can see what the Father's really like, not what you thought he was like. Not so, now listen to this, not so you can know more about him. But so you can actually know him. So we need to move from knowing about God to knowing him. To move from religion to relationship. To move from information to experience. To move from knowledge to encounter. That's what Jesus came to say. That's what, show us, that's what the the Father desires. That's what I desire. And I've come to show you what the Father's like so that you can trust in him. Not have trust in the information you know about him or your knowledge of the promises, but you can have trust in him. Because unshakable faith has to have as the object of its faith, Jesus and the Father. If your faith is in anything else, it won't see you through. So here's he's kind of the link, just in case you're still a little bit confused as as I was, as I was kind of working this out and thinking about it. Here's the link. So we shouldn't be surprised when Jesus talks about trusting and belief in him in relation to faith. Why shouldn't we be surprised? Because Jesus' goal is that unshakable faith works in the context of relationship. Not formula. And what is it? What's at the core of every relationship? What's the currency of relationship? How, how do you know if I've how do you know if I've got a good relationship with Les or not? Trust. Trust is at the center of relationship. And, and when the, the trust breaks, you have problems with the relationship. And what was it that broke in the Garden of Eden? Trust. So that's what Jesus came to restore, trust in him and trust in the Father. To restore what broke in Eden. So we, we put our faith in the Father and we put our faith in the Son, we put our trust in the Father, our trust in the Son, they're the same thing. Because faith works through relationship. Not information, not knowledge. It works through knowing. So in Jesus, we see what God's like. And when you know what he's like, when you see what he's like, you can trust him. For... You kind of faith guys who, who like to tell me and I like to tell myself and I'll, I'll go on to some of this stuff in in future weeks where do you get faith from well firstly you get it from relationship that's the biggest thing you get faith from but this, when you ask that question people will always say faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God Romans ten seventeen. So just get more word in you and more word in you and more word in you. It's really important you know the word of God. Otherwise, you don't know anything about God. And, but it's most important that you see God through Jesus. But quantity of word will not produce faith. Because the Pharisees had quantity of word and missed Jesus when he came. It's what the word reveals about who Jesus is that produces the faith. Okay, it's not repeating a promise 500 times to get you to believe the promise. Because if you don't trust the promise, you'll never believe the promise. And so the word is the message and what it reveals about who Jesus is so you can trust in Jesus. Let me let me just put that for you because how many of you remember the opening words of John's gospel? In the beginning was the word, and the word became flesh, yeah, and the word was God. And the that that tells us that there's this kind of link between the word of God and Jesus, who's called the Word. Yeah. Are you with me? Just take this little slowly. So in the beginning, the word became flesh, the word was God. Everything that was in the word of God, that's the written word, the logos, Jesus is the full expression of. Jesus came to show us and explain to us how we should read the word. So we can read the word through a picture of God. Okay, let me, let me do this quickly now. Let, let's say you're Peter. yeah. You've got out of the boat. You've walked on water. You start to look at the waves. And you start to sink. Now, firstly, walking on water is not possible in the absence of the supernatural. Secondly... If you disconnect from the supernatural, you don't start to sink. You just plummet under the water. So there's something going on there. And Jesus comes to him while he's sinking, starting to sink, and he pulls him up. And immediately they're at the boat. By the way, at this point, Jesus, because they're in the center of the Sea of Galilee, Jesus has walked two and a half miles on water. I think it's pretty cool. I can't do it in a swimming pool for two feet but he did two and a half miles to get there. And so Jesus, then they get to the other side and Jesus says to Peter, you have little faith. Man, he's just walked on water. Has he got little faith? No. So we read that and go, Jesus, he's telling Peter off. Peter's failed again. Oh, dear. That's because our picture of Jesus and God is screwed up. The words translated little faith there don't mean tiny, failing, you're useless. Here's what Jesus is saying because little faith, the, the, the words translated there mean faith that didn't last the full course. So here's what Jesus is saying. What do you think went wrong, Peter? Why didn't you get all the way? What, what is it we need to fix? Let's move from that faith that doesn't endure to faith that goes right through to the other side. You get it? So Jesus comes to show us what God's like so that we can put our trust in him. So Jesus is the living expression of the word of God. He's the living Logos. And the word is given flesh so that we see the full revelation of what God is like so that we place our faith in Jesus. Jesus is saying that. You you can trust in the Father, you can put your faith in, you can rest on, you can lean on and put your trust and lean on me. Put your trust in me. So, Faith grows from hearing the word, but it grows from hearing the word because it shows us Jesus. And Jesus shows us what God is like so that we can put our trust in him. That's how this works. Not just repeating stuff or reading stuff over and over again. And as we see that more clearly, here we go. Let, let's finish this off now. You can look at what's going on right now in your life. You can look at the circumstances. You can look at all this stuff that's out of your control. That thing that hit you uh, off centre on Wednesday night or, or Tuesday morning and just came out of the blue. You can, you can look at that. You can look at the person that blew up in front of you and tore you to shreds and without any reason for doing so. You can look at all these things and, and you can hear what people are saying. You can hear what they're saying about what's going on. Man, people say too much about what's going on. We're inundated with people saying stuff about what's going on. And you can listen to all that and you can read what folks are commenting and what folks are writing about and what p- person's opinions are on it. And you can opinion shop if you want. You can even get fixated on what the experts say about what's going on. Because they're experts. And if you do that, you'll only ever plug into the natural. And we need to plug into the supernatural. Because people with unshakable faith, now listen to this, they listen and hear all that stuff because you can't avoid it. But the people with unshakable faith say, I hear what you're saying. I see what is happening. I'm aware of how bad this looks. But that's not consistent with what I know about God. So I'm going to put my trust in God. If stuff's not consistent with what I know about God, my trust is going in God. It's that ability to see the inconsistency with the real picture, the reality of who God is that produces unshakable faith. And when we do that, when we put our trust in him, he is so honoured. He's so blessed. He's so delighted. He, He is so full of joy and pride for his children. Because he's found somebody... Who really knows him. And that's the thing that's important to him. Amen. Let me just challenge you with this. See, God's... Jesus is inviting every one of us into a relationship with him right now. And we're all at different stages on that journey different depths of relationship. But he's inviting us and he's calling us forward and he's calling us to go deeper. Some of us maybe haven't even started that journey. But you want to. You want to. You've heard what's been said this morning. Perhaps the Holy Spirit's touched your heart. You know, that strange feeling that this is just something this inner thing and you want to know Jesus so we're going to pray is that okay? let's all stand let's do our usual we're going to pray this and then you're going to shut your eyes if you pray with your eyes shut then you'll already have them shut you won't have to shut them at the end just, so just say this after me so What we're after here is either a greater depth to our relationship with Jesus or to start that relationship for the first time. So let's let's pray. Father, I'm choosing here and now to put my trust in you. That you keep your promise To forgive my sins. And I'm choosing to turn to you. To put my thoughts on you. To make you Lord. So that I can be part of your family. And I can have that relationship with you. That you died to give me. So I commit now. To you. To respond to your invitation. For a deeper relationship with you. Or to start my relationship with you. Amen. Everybody shut your eyes. So if you responded for, I just want to go deeper in my relationship, I'm not talking to you. If you responded for the first time that you want a relationship with Jesus, while everybody's got their eyes up, I'm asking you to put your hand up. I'm not going to do anything that's going to get you out the front or embarrass you or anything like that. Just stick your hand in the air. Okay, thank you. Okay, Jesus, we thank you. We praise you. We glorify your name. You can open your eyes now. So is that helpful? Yeah? Sometimes we have to reground back in Jesus because we accumulate a lot of stuff that's kind of confused us and got in the way. So we reground back into him. Amen.